Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Suicide Squad by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. I'm Doc from Man of Steel Answers Insight Commentary. You can find me and my podcast at manofsteelanswers.com. All right. And today we're talking about minute number 10 of Suicide Squad, which is going to start with Amanda Waller explaining what she did with the man who never misses. And then the minute's going to end with the introduction of the Joker. Um, right away, before we get into kind of the big reveal in this minute, um, kind of wrapping up some notes about Deadshot, what we start off with is kind of a Warner Brothers reference in itself about, because Amanda Waller is saying how she explained that what she did was Deadshot, was threw him I in a where hole you're going with it. and threw away the hole, right? So there was like a Looney Tunes kind of reference in Dawn of Justice where like uh, White Rabbit, White Wabbit? White Wabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White Wabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. White Rabbit? Yeah. Yeah, that thing. Lex Luthor and, and Superman. Yeah. But this one is is kind of like a Looney Tunes reference too because it's the throwing away of the I whole- I thought of Animaniacs, which came first. And they're both Warner Brothers. So why is it, is it, aren't they Looney Tunes in themselves? I don't know. I don't think the Animaniacs are considered in the House of Looney Tunes, which is weird because they are both Warner Brothers. Oh man, that's Wait, a good question. Animaniacs are part. No, the Anim- Animaniacs are their own thing. Yeah, I don't think they've ever crossed over. They have they have their own little quasi universe with the yeah uh, the squirrel and the like baby. What about the, and the what about Pinky and the Brain? Are they in that universe? No, yeah, that's Animaniacs. That's the Animaniacs, Animaniacs yeah. And I feel like in well, what Animaniacs, about the baby Looney Tunes? Weren't they part of that? That's still no, Looney that's Tunes. The Tiny Tunes is part of the yeah. Looney Tunes universe. This damn yeah. Tiny Tunes. I I think in the Animaniacs universe, there's like like Freakazoid exists in that same one. Um, like Warner Brothers has their own. I think Freakazoid is like Deadpool. He crosses universes. So yeah, he's a fourth wall breaker. Okay, and then where's Toontown? Because that's the thing, right? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> <laughs> that was Universal though. Where's Club Penguin involved? <laughs> Club Penguin. That's why y'all are saying global warming doesn't exist. Why did Club Penguin shut down? <laughs> okay, so wait. That's so weird. It's, I've never thought about Animaniacs not being... Okay, so is this more of an Animaniacs thing? I don't know. Uh, okay. th- taking like I remember Animaniacs more like... Is this like a Wiley Coyote thing? Yeah, you, you put the hole in the and then hole. you move the hole. Yeah, an I mean, hole. Roger so Rabbit, the portable hole is a whole thing, right? So yeah. So it's got to predate the Animaniacs, is what I'm saying. The port, the yeah. whole idea of a portable hole, definitely predates Animaniacs. But it is still a good Warner, a Brothers Warner Brothers call. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Warner Brothers kind of, you know, reference. And, it, and at first, it's like it to to me, it always seems like a really weird statement. Let's say it through, threw them in a hole and then threw away the hole. It's like for for a film that's like, or I guess for a franchise that's been kind of like super serious for character to to be like oh let's say i just did some looney tunes thing it's mm-hmm. like it's it's unnerving that this character is like that so, okay let me so in my opinion it has the same effect of in dark knight rises when joseph gordon levitt was talking about searching the sewers and someone asked him if he saw any giant alligators running down there that has the same gravitas to it mm-hmm. as a uh, like it's 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 not in well, the line of actually happened. 
What? I think that actually happened in the universe, though. What? Him actually? That Killer Croc was... Because I think there was like a... There was a 1.5 Dark Knight. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was Gotham Knights. And it was like... I thought it was like... It was like Batman in between... Deadshot features heavily in that, right? Gotham Knight? The the animated... You're talking about the animated feature that takes place in the Dark Knight universe? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Scarecrow's in it. And uh, so is Killer Croc, I think. A dead shot. Maybe dead shot. Yeah. yeah. And it was and so there was a giant alligator in the Nolan Batman verse. It, but it seems like that line is like campy, but not like comic book campy. It's campy knowingly. Like she yeah. knows that's uh, that's something silly to say. Yeah. And I she's think saying it's showing it anyway. that she's a very colorful speaker. Like she's not this dry authoritarian uh government official who just like talks like an accountant or like a you know, she she she's very colorful. She's very uh, expressive in her expressions. Yeah, uh, she 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 plays with these crazy people. So like when yeah, when, well, it's a different mo- minute, so I'm not going to mention it. But you know, uh, she 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 has a lot of turns of phrases and like figures of speech. So I, I think yeah. it's it's really engaging way to talk because she's not just this other dry suit. She's this uh, uh, she has a way with words, and I, I can imagine kind of Air that, just loves yeah. writing these lines. That is the best way to explain it. Like, they are dry suits. Like, look at these people who, like, are being surpassed by her. You know, they're they're like, where did you put her? Like, wouldn't you like to know, Mr. CIA man? Yeah. And she's she's literally the devil in this story, right? And so she's, like, this devil that has taste, and she's, like, enjoying what she's doing. She's living life, being this this very, you know, just sadistic person. Yeah, and so she's, like... She's like, I'm, you know, where did you put them? I was like, I'm having the time of my life. Wouldn't you like to know where I like, yeah. put all the criminals that I've been wrapping up? Like, she could have easily said, I, I locked the door and threw away the key. Yeah. Like, but, any, like if it was them, they'd be like, you know, we captured a fugitive at this hour. He was transported. Yeah, this. And she's like, yeah. I'm, I called the Batman and got him to arrest Deadshot for me. Mm-hmm. And then I had him thrown all the way into Louisiana, you know, swamp. So it's like, she's, she's, completely what like right right brain is like the creative side of your brain like she's like not left brain about it you know (laughs) what i mean is left brain analytical one of them is like analytical and the other half is creative creative Uh, hemispheres talk about rush hemispheres yeah there you go the left and right side of the brain Mm -hmm. um and so yeah that's just it's just the way she's built just makes her slightly better than everyone else (laughs) yeah um which is yeah, it's just it's it's fantastic, and I, and I like I like the Looney Tunes reference. I I don't know. I feel like we saw the one in Man of Steel was the one where he threw Feor into like a dumpster. She like went in to the dumpster one way, but that's also the same way she came out of. Do you remember that? Or no, she throws him in the dumpster, and that's how he does it. It's like, it was like a very Looney Tunes type fighting style. Where in the building, she okay throws him into the bank door. He yeah, does the infamous pose. She grabs him and throws him out the wall and he goes through a dumpster and it creates a giant hole in the dumpster, but then he comes out the same way. So it doesn't even cut. It's the same shot. It's in, out, he hits Feor, throws her up in the air, throws her on the ground. It was I don't remember a dumpster, but I I'm 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 not inclined to like believe dump, you. Dump truck. Dump garbage truck, truck. Garbage truck. Something. Yeah. Anyways, watch it back because I thought it was a loony. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe there's more. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's our thing we got to look out for is all the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes thing because 
who knows maybe that's a maybe that's a producer's note that goes around like uh excuse me you gotta have one looney tunes reference hey where's bugs bunny (laughs) you gotta have one (laughs) looney tunes type prank in your uh action scenes i think disney something i don't know that could be a thing i could see that maybe always pop up and then in the pixar films they have that uh a one one two or something like that. Okay, never mind. The animation <laughs> animation uh, division. There's the first class you have to take as an exactly animator. right. Yeah, yeah. There's references there. Yeah, or the Wilhelm um, scream. I wonder if I'm pretty sure the Wilhelm scream has got to pop up sometime in here, right? Or or not not this it minute, is, but yes. in this movie. It's probably be. in this movie. There's a lot of troops Justice. getting thrown around. It's the Batmobile chase where he knocks it into like the trailer. Right, and the right. Car flips and then. Will help scream happens, um, but yeah, it's it's um, talking about uh, you know, with moving on from after capturing Deadshot, we're gonna move on to, I don't want to say second main character. She's a co-protagonist of sorts, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all we know, she could be the one telling the story, kind of thing. Narr- you know, the the secret narrator of the whole thing. Um, but we're introduced to our next big character which is of course margot robbie's harleen quinzel aka harley quinn um this is probably the most questionable part of the film i have and it involves um the introduction of jared leto's joker now i don't i don't hate the portrayal of the character but i i, I am hesitant on the the amount of uh, inclusion that the character has throughout this film. Um, I feel like if I could have voiced any, 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 uh, any decision makings, it would have been to cut his minutes down further. And I don't know. I don't know if you guys agree with that or what your overall opinion. I don't, I don't know if I can it. answer that yet. Cause I'm at the, by the, by the end, of I'm the sure there will shebang. be a point where I will be like, okay, that's too much Joker for me right now. I'm welcoming it. I'm not the type of person that thinks that Heath Ledger's Joker was end-all, be-all Joker. It's just silly to to just have that simple-minded aspect of it. I like to see a different portrayal of the character, just like how I like to see different portrayals of Batman, you know? Um, I like to see how Leto is forming his Joker. Mm -hmm. And once I got past the part of, you know, okay, Joker's in this movie. Once I realized that it's not my normal image of what Joker is, yeah, it's a new Joker. It's a different typing. It's a different acting of Joker that Jared Leto's portraying. That's when I focus in on say, okay, how do I pinpoint this Joker? Yeah, and that's what this movie gives me. So I don't know if there's a point where I'm like, okay, too much. I don't think that as of right now there isn't. Um, did was there too many Harley and Joker scenes? Maybe there was too many for a Suicide Squad movie, <laughs> but you could probably make an entire Joker and Harley Quinn movie from just those scenes that you saw. So I don't know. My hands are up in the air right now. We'll see. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah, for me, uh, you know, uh, I love comic books generally. I love superheroes. I'm, you know, honestly, I'm not really a huge Joker and Harley Quinn fan because. You know, uh, I love logic and rationality, and these two are chaos incarnate, right? It's nigh impossible to fully understand them, uh, say, psychologically. Um, they, they, they tend to come off in most stories like uh, more like uh, plot devices 
than persons. Uh, I, I'm going to give an exception to Injustice Harley because she's had time to develop her character and humanity, and she's 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 an excellent character. But I think generally speaking, these clowns, and I don't have a clown phobia, but <laughs> you might say I have mm-hmm. uh, aversion to clowns. Um, they, you know, uh, w- with respect to Joker specifically in this, I think the main thing that a lot of people were just confronted with was the look. And I'd love to say that the movie was the first place that I saw him, but that wasn't true. You couldn't escape the marketing for this movie. And uh, it's a very confronting look. It's tough to say, it, it's tough to, to say like, you know, uh, that's, that's Joker. Uh, or, or that's a Joker that that's familiar that I like. I mean, uh, the thing that like immediately uh, grabbed me when I saw him was that lack of eyebrows and that metal grill on his teeth, and then of mm-hmm. course the tattoos and all the other stuff. But but I'm 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 open to interpretation, and I think the big thing that this Joker does for me, at least with his look, is that uh, it looks like that this is his skin color and that this is the face that he has all the time. All the previous cinematic Jokers. Uh, they always look like they were sort of hiding behind makeup and then sort of like an act, right? So it's like they're putting on the makeup, so then they're putting on a persona and putting a face on. So then Joker is just this uh, thing that they put on, whereas this guy is Joker 24-7. Like, this is the way he always looks, this is always yeah. the way he always is, and that was an interesting take. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there was a take where there was Mother Joker, and I'm pretty sure that that's been borne out in after interviews and whatever. And I think that pl- that plot line may have been more grounded, more uh, serious, and more um, more psychological. Uh, but the way it is here, it's sort of a weird diversion. So I, I'm almost I, I could almost say that yeah, maybe maybe less Joker, <laughs> but but I'm not. I, I don't really have strong feelings one way or the other. I, does Harley Quinn also suffer from the, the skin pigmentation? Or After she, the chemicals, it, yeah. Is yeah. it chem, or is it makeup? No, it's the chemicals. So she's pale, the whole body. Yeah, like long. okay, so in New Fifty Two, um, Snyder and Capullo's run, they 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 created this persona for the Joker called the Pale Man, mm-hmm. which was like he was supposed to be like this. L- you know, eternal life being that's been there at the beginning of Gotham and Joker has just always been around and he's always had a Batman per se to oppose him. And that Bruce Wayne is just the new iteration of, of this Batman where the pale man is still in Gotham. So I like to think that it's kind of in that aspect. This is we're we're going to learn later on in this movie that this is mob boss, Joker, crime Lord, Joker, clown prince of crime they call him that in this art of book clown prince of crime all the time and i think that's what it's supposed to be he's supposed to be the head of the drug lord organization the underground crime boss um kind of like how nicholson had his jack naper but he was more like gangster joker Mm -hmm. than than like i i get like drug lord like you know drug deal joker from this feel especially later on when we have the other flashbacks but um i like to think that it is his skin color that he is running with the whole Ace Chemical, uh, you know, he had that whole run-in with Batman as a Red Hood. He got this, you know, skin disease, and he's just running the crime lords from underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's a, I like, I like this Joker. I just, you know, it was, it was just merely about for for store concerns. Do we need to shave the character down a little bit? Because I know it's like. You're having a, a really big actor uh, play a really big character, you know? And so there are people coming to the movie because of their fascination with this character, 
which I'm definitely not one of those. But for those who are, it's like, well, do we beef up his subplot so that people are satisfied with the amount of screen time he gets? It's like, um, probably what it are was. you doing that? And, you know, is it going to hinder the film? And, it, and it, you know, that's a juggling act. Um, but in my opinion, it's more of a, no, you, you got to cut that down kind of thing. But it's still, it's still a good performance. I still want to see, I do want to see more of this guy. And I want to see how he operates as, as I agree, I agree with you. I, I want to see more how he operates as a kind of like a, a crime lord joker yeah. of the, of the 20, you know, of the modern day, you know? So, um, he's definitely a cool, interesting character. Um, uh, but we also, you know, we get, this is kind of like a big old introduction for kind of Harleen Quinzel's or- origins as like his, his, uh, his accomplice. And as we see, he's, Accomplice to the murder of Robin, so uh, little I have big feelings uh, there. <laughs> yeah, which would mean that she was here or she was around prior. Okay, so that, that that's kind of right. tough. So, uh, all right, uh, do you mind if I go on a like a kind of tangent or whatever? Go okay. ahead. So uh, the, the the issue people are going to have is uh, all this production text, right? So they're going to take the production text, they're going to take the post production text, they're going to generate a timeline, right? So the idea is she's born in nineteen ninety. She's a criminal criminal by age 24. That's when that uh, mugshot is taken. And so then they're going to say, how was she able to become a uh, criminal, uh, a, a, a licensed uh, physician, right? And a psychologist and become a criminal and kill Robin all in that amount of time. And so I think the, the baseline thing that you got to do is at a minimum, she's got to be a real world Doogie Hauser, right? Uh, or she's got to be a Doogie Hauser. Uh, in the real world, we have those. Uh, you've got a um, a gentleman. I think his name is uh, Balamu <laughs> Balamurali Ambati. He obtained his medical license at age seventeen. And you have a uh, show Yano. He he obtained his uh, uh, medical license at age twenty one. Okay, so it's technically possible. It would make Harleen extraordinary and exceptional, but that's what makes her a supervillain. Uh, but even if you use that timeline, right, uh, Suicide Squad takes place in 2016. Harley is 24 when Batman arrests her in 2014. The BZE happened in 2013, and, and Robin was already dead by that point. So e- assuming Harley meets Joker at the age of 21 in 2011, uh, you know, that places Robin's death in a really narrow window that doesn't really... Uh, doesn't overtly conv- uh, contradict BBS, but it feels like it does, right? When you when you watch BBS, you don't feel like Robin died like a year or two ago, right? Or I don't know, maybe you maybe that's the feeling you get, or or don't get. I don't know if you have that feeling. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a really good question. <laughs> could I could I believe a year or two? No, because it four yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it really puts an imprint on like okay, well how how fresh is that pain how long has batman been brooding over that and like it's been making him more and more brutal over the time so is it enough time for that to go by is that a year is that two years maybe it's three three years sounds like a good bet So then that's option number one option number two is you discard the production text so you say that the report that we're seeing in front of us and the mugshot aren't binding canon and then you could change the dates to whatever to, to to fit her age and her experience and everything lines up and then the final uh, option three is that you keep the production text, but you discard that post-production text, uh, that text that was written about Robin. 
you say that basically that that was written by Buddha Jones, that tr- uh, the, the trailer people that cut the movie rather than David Ayer. And if you throw that out uh, and you say it's coming from an unreliable narrator, that's the reason I kept bringing this stuff up earlier. And you say that whatever De- uh, Deadpool wrote it, or this is Harleen's, you know, crazy idea, or it's, you know, an unreliable narrator. Uh, as long as you throw that out, then the timing also works. So uh, th- that's the whole reason that I, w- I kept challenging, like the legitimacy of what you're seeing on screen. Is it literal? Is it diegetic? Is it in story or not in story? Um, so uh, maybe, you know, if if that line about Robin <laughs> is the wrong color and it's crossed off in blood splatter and, you know, Harleen's eyes are crossed out and, the, you know, all the coloring is crazy. Maybe you don't take that as so accurate or literal or uh, truthful. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if if a witness comes to you and they're you know all the speed ramping, the zooms, the slow motion, all the crazy stuff. You know, if, if a witness comes to you and 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 everything that they're saying is distorted and doesn't make sense and whatever, are they a reliable witness? I don't think so. So uh, this is this is my bid or my argument to strike that one little line from this movie and to say maybe it's not 100 uh, percent canon or accurate. Yeah, no, and uh, I mean, there's <laughs> we covered our bases by covering all the possible <laughs> theories. So, in, in the end, we're just going to be right. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, one of those theories. Whatever, I, I've shotgunned it. We 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 got it all. So it's like whatever that you know come the Matt uh, Matt Reeves film was. Hey, whatever happens in this film, I was right. <laughs> don't, you, <laughs> don't you forget it. And so yeah, I mean, I can easily see Harleen Quinzel. Uh, at a young age, maybe just just really excelling in 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 the career that she's going for because she is really good at her job. Like she's she, I mean, well, not really good because she obviously didn't uh, see this coming. But um, I could I could see her excelling as as this kind of psychology enthusiast, you know, like yeah. And, and if so, there was a big age gap because that. she's such a prodigy, then she would be isolated from her peers because of her age. And that would make her susceptible to the influence of Joker. Because, uh, you know, yep. if she had such an extreme strength in this one degree, but lacked uh, balance or maturity in other areas, then then that's a big, you know, v- vulnerability to somebody like Joker. And uh, with uh, we've mentioned this before, and, and people know her as one of Gotham City sirens. So there's, we always bring back like the siren ability that these that these three have. And you know, maybe unfortunately, her appearance has gotten her through in life, and it's kind of made her successful. And that's just a siren quality in her. Now you have a world full of normal average joes who see harleen quinzel and they let her get away with whatever she wants but then she runs into the weirdest brick wall in the universe which is this character and he is the total opposite and so her siren abilities don't play in her favor and where amanda waller says she thought she was curing him but it turns out that wasn't the case it's like you could say and i and i kind of wish it was written this way instead it was like she thought she was curing him, but in reality, he was curing her in like this kind of tongue in cheek, like giving giving her you know, purpose. Yeah, the complete opposite. And, and I do mm-hmm. want to mention you're not that, getting that the siren abilities. Anymore. Isn't you just making that up? That was that was Paul Dini and uh, Tim. I'm sorry, Bruce Tim. Uh, when they wrote mm-hmm. Mad Love, there is a there's a, a single two frame uh, caption 
or I'm sorry, two frame scene where she does sort of um, use her charms to accelerate in school. I'm not saying that that's what should be imparted to this particular character, but, but there's precedent for it, at least with the original concept of it. So it's, uh, yeah. So it's not something that you're putting on her. It's something that came from the character as it originated. Yeah. And it stuck with it through the entire series of sirens. It it really works out and it really makes some really interesting characters. Um, I like seeing it and I like seeing that a character who has, has kind of gone by in life and, and to meet a character like the Joker, just completely like almost like babe in the woods kind of thing. And then you meet like this, this, I don't know how to, I mean, I guess that's the whole point. You don't know how to describe the Joker, but it's like, he literally is like the complete opposite of normality. Well, one way you know? think about it, her whole, focus her dedication the thing that she's passionately studying is like the mind right and the the one thing that you're going to confront with this guy is a, a mind like no other right he's not the t- boring textbook thing that you uh you study this, this is a completely original novel exciting thing and you can imagine uh the transference of that excitement into you know romantic attachment or, or other kind of uh interests or, or focus and you could see how an obsession could could sort of develop so it, it is interesting from that kind of uh psychological or motivational uh perspective yeah absolutely it's 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 truly like the way he gets a hold of of harley and quinzel is is something that just i enjoy that i enjoy i enjoy the the kind of bait and trap that that kind of is this because it it really reasons why he's such a terrible like entity in the universe you know like to it's like he he gets this poor like i don't know i say poor girl but it's like he he's like asking for a machine gun she right? brings him a kitty and it's like and the it's most like, no kitty not 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 a stuffed kitty i want a machine gun She's like, uh, okay. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, it's the praying that I enjoy because it's like, you've shown exactly why we should hate this guy. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what it, that's, that's the, that's all you had to do. And, and you nailed it because I hate this guy, <laughs> you know? Um, just the absolute worst. Like, let's not fall in love with the character. Let's, like love to hate the character. Now, I have a question about a shot like, in here where like, she, you know, she's waving her kitty, uh, the stuffed kitty. And then you get that, um, that purple shot where she's close in leaning in, look like she's about to kiss. And then it reverts back to sort of normal vision where she brushes her hair. Do you think that purple like vision was supposed to be, what is that? Is that in her head? Is that a flashback? Is that what her, what she's dreaming of? How do you, how did you interpret that? Um, I'm actually just now uh, trying to interpret it now as you're saying it. I didn't even think about if it was a flashback or anything. The only, what's making me feel like it's probably what she's playing in her mind is, and the only thing that alludes to it is later on in the film when magic powers take over the characters' minds and it shows them what they want to see. Um, But it's not in the same sense. Everything's different in those little visions that they have. Um, this might have very well happened. I think this is 
I mean, there's the questions arise like, are there cameras in this room? Is there, you know, are people watching her be this close with the Joker if they knew that this was happening? Wouldn't they just kick her out and yada yada yada? <laughs> um, I don't. Think but it's again, it's it's Arkham yeah. Asylum. It's uh, there aren't cameras in Arkham Asylum. I, I don't think, know. I think it's honestly, it's 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 what's fascinating her now is like, first of all, it's like okay, I want to go and study this guy because he's really interesting. Um, you know character to study that exists in this asylum and then it's like she's falling in love with this character and now she's probably continuing to study like why am i so attracted to this guy like why am i falling for this kind of thing and and you know you keep pulling that thread when it comes to psychology and so like this this moment that she that she daydreams about is uh, to me it's, it's it's a figment of her imagination but something that she's miraculously all of a sudden wants now she wants that moment um and i don't know maybe add it to you maybe add it to the harley quinn well, that's what narration i'm saying if, if you take theory, that yeah. purple camera yeah. and you push it backwards onto accomplice to the murder of robin maybe that's just another daydream of hers maybe that's just a way to connect herself to joker but not something that literally or actually happened in the world so uh, just just keep pushing for that <laughs> that maybe Harley didn't kill uh, Robin kind of story. Uh, I don't know why I'm so invested in that, but I am. So, <laughs> I mean, if like okay, in comic books, like yeah, Deadshot is somewhat of an equivalent to Harley Quinn as far as like popularity and like the you know the household name of how Deadpool. We, what did I say? Deadshot. Sorry, Deadpool and Harley Quinn. Right. So if you you know she's she's somewhat narrating, narrating this and maybe they could have been punched in a little bit more, but then you have reasons for flare gun, potato launcher and Derringer and stuff like that. Like she's writing it. She gets to put in all these little things like, well, yeah, it would also make sense to like the little, like these symbols that come up. It's like the you skull know, symbol. Yeah. The skulls. And then hers is like drawn with like crosses through the eyes. And when Joker's right, you can't you take know, that stuff like, literally uh, uh, unless like, it's, love. you know, somebody yeah. crazy basically communicating it. Yeah. Like somebody writing it in a journal, like it shows like their their take on it. Yeah, because no no one else on that roster would draw that. Right. Yeah, that's all. It's all very Harley Quinn. So mm-hmm. like she's got to be the one, you know, kind of telling the story. Um, I don't know if people want to like hear like the the New York accent <laughs> throughout the movie, like because I, I feel like maybe that would start to get annoying. Um, but that's what she's known for. So like, uh. But yeah, that 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 could definitely, you know, I think I think we should just conclude that this movie is narrated by her, even though maybe Deadshot is like the protagonist or something like that. It's like because that's what is that's what it's always felt like. It's just you see this green and purple so much, and you see the 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 graphic design. It's like okay, this is probably through her eyes, you know. If you actually so, uh, follow I mean, the timeline too, I think she's the first person to get arrested. Uh, so she's arrested back in 2014. And so uh, like the story begins, like chronologically begins and ends with her, her arrest and then ends with her escape. So uh, that makes sense if she's the ultimate narrator, right? Like, cause she can only t- yeah. talk about the time that she was, she was there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe absolutely. it. I believe it. Um, I don't know if uh, we, we get our first like, I don't know if it's the very first time we've seen Arkham Asylum in this universe, but we do kind of get a wide establishing shot of the asylum. So 
uh, I, I want to say it's the first yeah. time we've seen it, but it is it is good to see Arkham Asylum uh, presented. You know, like oh, here it is, first time in the cinematic universe. Like we're seeing what Arkham Asylum it's looks dark like and universe. as gloomy and as gothic as I've ever imagined it. And they end that shot with like a, a thunderclap, which is like perfect, right? So that that's exactly what I yeah. think of yeah. uh, when I when I when I think of uh, Arkham Asylum. Yeah, I mean, it really isn't too far off from, like, what we think of. We always think of those gates. We always think of those words. We always think of, like, um, I thought it was the moon in the background, but I, I no, think it might just be a spotlight. Like, yeah, spotlights. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the gothic architecture, um, the the weather that's involved. like One of the best depictions of that and the thing that's, that's stuck in my brain when it will always be was in Arkham Asylum, the first game, mm-hmm. when he it's the first part where Batman's just, screaming that Batmobile up to the gates with mm-hmm. Joker sitting in the passenger seat. And like you see the iron gates, you see the old Arkham, every like the, those iron gates is what I think of when I think it's of the gates. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think of Arkham you and get the pearls from Martha mm-hmm. Wayne. You got the, you get you the, the iron gates, gates here. Yeah. You can definitely yeah. say so some things you just yeah, got to Arkham have. has more character and more recognition, more recognition than sort of that Gotham skyline. Right. We kept talking about how, uh, you see a bunch of buildings, but you just don't yeah. know if that's Gotham or not. But Arkham has a character to it yeah. that like 20 different artists could do their version and you could sell, you know, that's Arkham, you know, um, uh, because it's it's got those stylistic uh, notes that that help you recognize it. So it's it's cool that there's mm-hmm. this sort of uh, non-character character in the Batman mythos. <laughs> As always, the, the, the debate, you know, uh it's it's beautiful i you know and i'm glad that they that they did because it, it's it's very easy nowadays when you're going to chase you know the the realism and things it's very easy to say well we want you know we want arkham asylum to look like an actual asylum i think batman begins has it like an actual asylum there's nothing really stand out ish in in batman begins as far as their their asylum um but like here it's like just by looking at it um you're sold you're like that's it yeah that's what mm-hmm. it looks like you know um so yeah it's just i'm glad they did that i'm glad what's what's been interesting about the cinematic universe is yeah they've been chasing the real but they they've let the batman universe get a little comic booky in a good way because batman's not wearing uh he's not wearing like the plated armor and the separation of yeah plate. he's in a suit he's like yeah. in a he look, he's it's like in pajamas like he's in pajamas yeah yeah it's like so i like that although we're being really hyper realistic with this universe that the batman universe within it is is just this comic it. yeah it's a little yeah. comic booky we just need the zeppelins and we'll be good to go yep. so it's all we're asking put that just, in there <laughs> come on come on zeppelins come on um but uh, let's see. I think that's all I have for the for minute number ten. Yeah, we got, we got good, two more um, things. We'll we'll get more. Mind. Okay, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, quick. absolutely. We got we got a whole other week. <laughs> well, the, real quick, the first thing that uh, people are going to bring up with Joker is, of course, the timing of the the teeth, the grill, uh, the the metal grill, and a lot of that is going to come out of that David Ayer uh, interview with Empire Magazine, uh, saying that basically, you know, the origins of that was Joker killed robin and then batman took his teeth right and and then they're saying the timing of that doesn't work with um uh his first meeting with harley 
And uh, the main thing that I want to stress there, the rebuttal there, is that you got to go back to the source. And when Ayer shares that, the very first thing he says is that this is sort of my personal thing. It's maybe less about a larger connection. So in other words, he's saying that this is my head canon. This is what inspired me while I was directing, but it's not story canon. It's not something that you, that, that mm-hmm. fans have to get worked up about and try to resolve or, or claim as an error. You know, just just let it go. <laughs> and uh, one of the the quick you know, inspiration, uh, quick examples I can give of this is uh, when John Williams was accepting his Lifetime uh, Achievement Award from AFI, he mentioned when he wrote uh, a theme in Star Wars that he wrote it believing that Lee, uh, Lua, uh, sorry, Lake, sorry, Luke and Leia were lovers, uh, which obviously isn't true. So, you know, what, what drives you creatively, uh, just because you share that doesn't convert that into canon or the story, right? Um, so, and we, we kind of remember people in like a centralized way too. So, I mean, like maybe he didn't have his teeth punched in, in this flashback, but for the overall character, the way that the narrator might remember the character, he's always had a grill, you know, like he's always had fake. That's a great point. So if this story is being told from Harley's perspective, then she may have a unreliable, uh, memory of uh, him always having a grill. And I, I mentioned that, I, I, I promise I'll be quick. <laughs> there's there's sort of a unreliable <laughs> narrative sort of with um, uh, Wonder Woman, right? Because the entire thing is her telling a story uh, as a bedtime story. And, you know, uh, there's all sorts of little examples of incontinuities which could be explained if it's Wonder Woman telling the story. And she's telling it to, for example, if you impale a guy with a sword, he's going to be gushing blood. It's not going to be pretty. But because she knows she's telling a bedtime story, she changes the story so that, uh, it's it's a more clean kill, right? So uh, the, the the storyteller shapes uh, the reality, and it doesn't have to necessarily be strictly uh, logical reality. Um, yeah, and I think even the photograph itself has a continuity error, where it's like her her leather strap thing that goes around the the armor mm-hmm. is like reversed in the photograph than the way she's wearing it when the photo is taken. So it's like. There, there's no way that flipped in the photograph, so I don't know how that happened, but it's it's like being worn the wrong way, like right. over the wrong shoulder. So it's like, it's like, you're going to go to war for that? Just like leave it be. So the last thing I want to mention is, of course, you know, what function does Harley serve on the squad? Like, you know, obviously she's a popular character. And uh, the only thing I just want to say is... Uh, uh, I wish the movie had gone for some of those uh, soft mall rationales, like uh, the explanations for why she fits into the squad, you know, either because of her relationship with Joker or some special knowledge she possesses or some, you know, her special uh, psychological talents. But because it goes unspoken, you're going to get constant criticism of the film for Harley's inclusion. The, 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 the criticism that people are always going to say is what good is she against Superman? And the one thing I beg of you guys is when that point comes up for, for your other guests or when you raise it yourself is that everybody in the film points that out. Everybody says, why is Harley on the squad? Flag, uh, Flag directly says to Waller, you know, it makes no sense. What are you really up to? And so a critic doesn't get any credit for raising what a film already does. Uh, I think it's more interesting to try to answer Flag's question, which is, you know, if this task force isn't really about beating Superman, uh, if there really are more effective uh, spec op pipe hitters out there, 
then what is the squad really about and why does Harley fit into that picture? And I think that's the question people should be asking. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's even go back to the beginning of this minute where Amanda Waller says that, you know, let's say I do him in a hole and do away the hole. You're trying to sell this task force X to the government. Like you're trying to get, and you're, and you're not being completely honest about what you're doing with these guys, like to the people that are going to approve this. And it's like, if you're not even going to be straight up about that, like, what are you going to be straight up about for anything? And so she's, she's got all these, you know, ulterior motives that she doesn't feel like she needs to explain or doesn't want to. And, and, and so, yeah, it's like, what, you know, she's never going to explain it until it's too late. And then you've already figured it out, you know? Uh, I have, sorry, one completely random piece of trivia. Uh, It's for the phrase, don't dip your pen in the company ink. Have you guys heard that before? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. That's attributed Mm -hmm. to Walt Disney studios from (laughs) 1938. Uh, They were celebrating the success of snow white. And at the time the inking and painting departments were mostly female. So they circulated a memo saying, don't dip your pen in the company ink. And what they meant was behave yourself around the ink and paint girls. It wasn't an absolute prohibition on uh, fraternization because even Walt Disney himself met his wife when she worked in that department. So just a little random piece of trivia. Uh, that phrase just means behave, not no relationships. <laughs> I didn't know it originated from Disney. That's pretty. That's pretty neat. I didn't know that either. It was triggered by oh. her saying a workplace romance gone wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want. I wonder if those signs still exist somewhere in Disney's <laughs> art department. I bet you. As, I wonder if they spread that knowledge. Right. I so bet you. Getting somebody a uh, machine gun—that's that's that's not behaving. Don't do that. So. <laughs> yeah, and especially just like asking for a machine gun, so so like that's what i need right now and it's like yeah it's like what (laughs) and the fact that he even uses the term machine gun i always like it's like joker is is that person that will use that terminology machine gun it's so dynamite yeah like uh yeah it's it is so clowny it's 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 a good good call to him i like jared leto as as joker i'm again i can't tell you if it's too much yet or not but (laughs) As an Arkham guard, it, like if I was standing at that door and it's like, I need a machine gun. Red alert. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Hit the button. Like, what is this guy doing? Like, he can't well, he, be He's always got like plausible because <laughs> he's just like, well, I'm just crazy. I was just joking. So it, it's kind of crazy yeah. that she takes it literally and actually ends up giving it to him. So, which I, I wanted to see that. Like, yeah, I, I wish I saw like the handing over and just like seeing. Uh, I guess we'll save it for next week because we're going to talk about the whole like uh, uh, literal assault. Well, again, I think that's why they, um, it's good that they left this movie open because that's why Harley can have like six, seven other films because they didn't close off all of her psychology by showing it all in this film. So, mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, well, before we wrap up, Doc, it has been an incredible journey this week talking about Suicide Squad by each individual minute. But before we go... Please let everyone know where they can find you, what you've been up to, and what you got uh, going absolutely. on. Uh, I've, I've been working on a... No. <laughs> I have a podcast, uh, Man mm-hmm. of Steel Answers Insight Commentary. You can find it at manofsteelanswers.com. I'm in uh, semi-retirement. <laughs> I just have a small mini-series i got to finish mm-hmm. up. But uh, after that's out, um, I think I think that's going to be it. So if you want to check out the backlog of, of episodes... 
that's uh, available from, uh, again, manofsteelanswers.com. Uh, they're basically one to two hour documentaries on, uh, you know, philosophy, science, uh, uh, all these kind of topics that where we dive really deep and then use these DC films as a, as a lens or filter to discuss them. So far out. Absolutely amazing work that you've done talking about the films that we love. And if you guys want to hear more, Nate and I also did our fair share of analyzing uh, Man of Steel Minute and Dawn of Justice Minute. It's a well over 300 episodes on this podcast feed that you're that we implore you to listen to where other guests have shared their thoughts on the films as well. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please uh, find us on all social media at DCEU Minute and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. And we will catch you guys next week for minute number 11 of Suicide Squad.